The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, Do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. So there's a few things going on here these days. First, you might notice in your pews a a white envelope for the Indigenous Reconciliation Fund. So we remember our bishops of Canada, they've they've promised to give $30 million for truth and reconciliation over the next few years. And uh, we're hoping as a parish to raise $25,000 to contribute to that, hopefully uh, by Thanksgiving. And yes, that second collection for the time being, the one right after communion, does go towards that fund. But if you'd like to top that up some, you have that envelope there in the pew that you can use. Yes, you can take the envelope home and and bring it back full of cash next weekend if you want as well. That's fine. Now, I know it comes at a time when there's uh, a a lot of requests for money coming out right now. There was a week or two ago, Camp Northern Lights, they they were asking for some assistance as well. And we know many have been asking for help so that they can assist those affected by the earthquake in Syria and Turkey. Speaking of that, we we don't have an official second collection for uh, the victims of that natural disaster. But there are some ways that you can contribute to the efforts to bring relief to those poor people there. Uh, the, on the bulletin board at the entrance, there's uh, Development and Peace. They, they've got a method to, to support um, the victims of the earthquake. Uh, if you look in the bulletin they, uh, through our website, there are uh, four different ways to contribute there. And if you really, you, you're, you're, not, you're, you're not looking to give online, you want to give cash or check, uh, that's fine. Put it in an envelope with your, with your name and address, and we'll make sure it gets there with, through Development and Peace or even stop by through the office and see Cindy, and she can help with that as well. On top of that, we we can always use as much help around here as we can get, especially in our liturgies. 
And so uh, we have a wonderful team of altar servers, but we can always use more. So on Saturday morning at 10.30, we'll have uh, some training and, and practice for new and existing servers. So if there are any here who've made their first communion and you'd like to help us out, come by the church at 10.30 on Saturday, and we'll have some practice and a few other things then too. Um, the other th- good thing coming up, is, uh, coming up in a couple of weeks is children's liturgy. That will happen at the 9 and 11 o'clock Sunday Masses beginning on March the 5th. A week or two later than we'd hoped, but that's just the way things land. Now, the, what might be foremost on our minds, something coming up before all of that, is Lent, beginning on Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday. And when we think of Lent, we might think of that 40 days of fasting. Now, the number 40 is a number that comes up repeatedly in the scriptures. We might think about the 40 days and 40 nights that, uh, that it rained in that story of Noah's Ark. Or maybe we think of the 40 days that Jesus wandered in the desert and was tempted by the devil. But I think one of the greatest examples of the number 40 in the scriptures comes from the 40 years that the Hebrew people, God's chosen people, wandered in the wilderness. So we remember at that moment how God wished to lead his chosen people out from Egypt to the place of slavery and into their own promised land. And he led them out of that place of slavery through a very miraculous way, the parting of the Red Sea. The people were able to to leave Egypt, uh, crossing the Red Sea over over dry ground, and they were led uh, out of slavery that way. And the miracles didn't end there. When they were hungry, God sent them food, uh, a quail, a kind of bird, and a bread-like substance that appeared mysteriously on the ground each morning of their journey. And he gave them a rock from which water poured out, so they had a source of water and a source of food every day. And so they took the shortest way to the promised land. It wasn't an especially long journey, um, but on arrival they began to lose trust. Even though they'd seen some pretty impressive miracles, and they'd seen how God had had carried and sustained them, when they saw the people who inhabited the promised land, when they saw their fortified city, they lost the will to fight to get that, that promised land for themselves, and they lost trust in God. They failed to trust that he would carry them through and fulfill his promise to give them a true home. They weren't ready for the promised land. So they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And in this time, they learned about themselves, about what it meant to be God's chosen people. In the first reading, we hear part of that. We hear about uh, how they learn about some of God's commandments. They learn how God's chosen people are called to live in a particular way, to do and not do certain things. And in this time, they also learn to build up trust in God, and they learn to build a longing for that promised land. But it's easy to imagine their frustration during these 40 years. Um, In 40 years, the life expectancy wasn't what it is now, and so no one who actually left Egypt entered into the promised land. It was their children and grandchildren that earned that freedom. And so with each death of each person, we can imagine the freedom of the people who had no place to call their home. Some of the people were tempted to turn back and go to Egypt. They knew they would be returning to slavery, 
at least they would have a place to call home. But some of them saw what was truly going on. In the psalm that we uh, proclaimed here this evening, we, the, the, the writer gives praise to God for all his mercies. That includes mercies given during that 40 years in the wilderness. The writer knows that God's people fall short of God's expectations, that they don't trust as they should, that they don't fight for the promised land as they should. But instead of abandoning his people, God gives them more time and space and messengers to reveal his word. Like those uh, Hebrew people who wandered the wilderness, uh, God wishes to lead us into the freedom of his kingdom. And this is something far better than the promised land. But we're not saints yet. Like those people who wandered, in many ways we lack trust in God. We're kept up, night, up, at, we're kept up at night fretting and worrying. And sometimes we even lose the will to fight against sin and we start to make excuses for ourselves or to believe that becoming a saint is just impossibly difficult. So in so many ways, we're kind of like those Hebrew people wandering in our own wilderness. And yes, there are times when it's frustrating. There's times when it's difficult. There's times when we may worry about our very lives and well-being. But something we also experience here is comfort. We live in the one most comfortable times and places history has ever known. And while there's nothing wrong at all with comfort, well, comfort doesn't always encourage growth. Lent works to change that. As Catholics, we are aware of a tradition we have to make a Lenten sacrifice, to give some good thing up for Lent. We purposely make some discomfort in life. Because truth be told, we all fall somewhat short of God's plans and expectations, and we know we ought to feel some discomfort for that. And so in the midst of the various comforts that we experience, we stir up just a little bit of discomfort. And so uh, there's a few days left to pick something to give up to give up during Lent. There's a few days to select a Lenten sacrifice. There's just a few tips. First of all, uh, it has to be something good that we give up. You can't give up robbing banks or belittling people. You have to give up something that's good. Uh, we, we need to feel what we're giving up as well. And it doesn't have to be a major serious discomfort. Even giving up coffee first thing in the morning, on the drive through coffee on the way to work, it's something that's going to be noticeable, but really makes a very small difference in our day-to-day living. We can take up some extra discipline in Lent as well, maybe a five extra minutes of prayer each day, or coming to the daily Mass in this place uh, once a week as, a, as an extra discipline. That's a sacrifice as well. We are trading some of our time for maybe some prayer or for some spiritual reading or to receive the sacraments. Lent is all about change and growth. In the gospel last weekend and this, Jesus lays out the difficult path that the disciples are called to, called to, be, to go beyond simple commandments. And here, in our church, is the place to work at living as we're called to. So there's a bit of a plan for us here this Lent in our parish. It starts on, on Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, 
We have Mass here at 8 in the morning and 7 o'clock in the evening. At the entrance, you may have noticed a pile of rocks. On those rocks, feel free if you wish to write on your Lenten sacrifice and place it in the basket. It's going to become part of our Lenten decor here in this space. If you're still not quite sure what your Lenten sacrifice might be, feel free to take the rock home. There's, There's lots more at the lake, and you can bring it in on Wednesday or next weekend. That's fine. We're also, um, just as a, maybe an opportunity to make this season a season to come to know God's Word just a little bit better, we're going to have some Bible trivia each day of Lent. So there's a poster at the back about it, and uh, information appeared in a bulletin as well. You sign up by sending a text message, and each day of Lent at 6.30, you'll receive a trivia question. Um, and each day, the questions will be of di- different difficulties, and uh, they're going to be with points, too, because we'll make it a bit of a contest. We can learn a bit more about God's Word and have a fun time doing it as well. And we're going to be playing for some, um, uh, for some Cineplex passes. Father Darlington is not eligible to play. He, he might be a judge if we need some tiebreakers. But that's just a way that we might uh, get to know God's Word a little bit better in this season. We're going to have... A little more seriously, uh, the day before Palm Sunday, a day of mercy here. So Father Darlington and myself, we will be uh, available in the confessional for a large part of that day. And the church will be open for the bulk of the day as well uh, for some private prayer. Uh, For some some community building here, uh, there's going to be a dinner on the feast day of our patron saint on March the 19th. It's a Sunday, probably just before this Mass. And we'll just have a simple meal downstairs um, as, as a community united under uh, St. Joseph. On Fridays of Lent, we're going to observe the Stations of the Cross. And each week, or many of the weeks, will be led by different groups. So on this coming Friday, Kindred Spirits is going to be leading us through reflections on the Stations of the Cross. And uh, one more thing, uh, I've had more than a few people request extra access to evening masses because in the morning it's just impossible to get to church and they'd love to. So on Thursdays during Lent, we're going to have two daily masses, one in the morning and one in the evening. So the morning at eight o'clock as usual and the evening at seven o'clock. And uh, we'll see which better serves the people. Um, it's not sustainable, with, even though there's two priests, it's not sustainable to keep that schedule on perpetually because eventually one of the two of us will need a, a vacation of some kind. And there are many times when two priests are needed in two different places uh, at, at the same time. So at the end of Lent, after Easter, uh, we'll see which of the two masses, of those Thursday masses, best serves our community, and that's the one that will remain. Um, the, we'll, of course, always have morning masses on on many days of the week, Uh, but if some are needing an evening, uh, we can certainly accommodate that. God of all, as we enter into the season of Lent, in just a few short days, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit to guide us. May the sacrifices we make uh, help lead us to your kingdom and build up a longing for the promises that you have made to us. May we, not, may we not shy away from all discomforts, but to you, learn to use them uh, and transform them into something that can build us, build up our hope and faith in the love, and sacrifice, 
and the resurrection of our Lord, in whose name we make these prayers. Amen.